Hello and welcome back to the Checkpoint Reach Podcast. I'm your host Luke Eld. Today I'm joined by Matty as always and we have a special guest, one of the P bros coming into us all the way from Hogwarts Library. It's uh, Ted Parry. How you doing mate? <laughs> I'm good thanks man. Yeah yeah just uh, brushing up on my spells as you can see in the background. I've got a few <laughs> in the bookcase. I'm sure you're <laughs> nailing them all man. <laughs> it's good to have you. Hope you're doing well. Uh, it's talk about some games. We haven't had you on the podcast for a while, so we thought, why not get one of the P-Bros on? Why not, eh? Why the, not? Some would say the better P-Bro. <laughs> this, is, this is sad every time to pay me. <laughs> no comment. No comment. I mean, what, what competition can you have at this point to prove who's the superior P-Bro? Because we I need like it. needs to be like a duel to the death. I've got it, Mai. Go karting. Go karting, yeah. Is that all right? Okay, I'm just hoping on his tinnitus to make him crash on the first corner. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be a bit unfair, actually. Well, we'll figure something out. Yeah, we'll figure something out. We'll get it. We'll get it put on the Checkpoint Reach podcast. The P bro, the ultimate decider. <laughs> We'll see how it goes, but um, yeah, we're here today anyway to uh, talk about some gaming news and stuff like that, and if you are watching this on YouTube, give us a like, subscribe, all that good stuff to help us grow as a channel, and obviously comment below with your thoughts and topics we're going to cover today, and if you are listening to us on any audio platform, subscribe as well on there, and also pass on the pod, because once again, it all helps channels grow, and we'd appreciate it, but uh, before we jump into topics, guys, just wondering what you have been playing this past week, Uh, Ted, if you want to go ahead and let us know what you've been up to. So, so you're gonna laugh because this was actually <laughs> when you asked when you asked me a while back what like a highly anticipated game I was looking forward to. I said Crackdown Three, and you all laughed. <laughs> Matty, you were on that show. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's that's what I've been playing. So, oh no, no, but I'm disappointed. In, 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 <laughs> <laughs> in that, I actually I actually enjoy it. So. Yeah, no, it's a good. It's one of those games. I feel like because I play Warzone a lot, that's that's a very stressful game. So when I want to play single player games, I just want to like I literally play that game. I don't even have the volume on. I'm like listening to podcasts and stuff while I'm playing it. The Checkpoint Reach podcast, of course. Of course, yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't even. I just I just play like without even thinking. I can just run around and shoot people. So it's just, yeah, I'd, it's just one of those games, isn't it? Like you can just, you don't have to, you know, mentally exhaust yourself trying to figure it out. Or... I, I was mentally exhausted playing Crackdown 3 to be perfect. I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was very poor, but I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave you to your, if you're getting enjoyment out of it, then good for you. <laughs> that was his most anticipated game of 2020, don't forget. Wow. Okay. <laughs> So, I well, I've never played to be it. Fair, the irony is, is that Warzone ended up being the uh, the main game of twenty twenty for me. So I was yeah. clearly I think it has been for a lot of people in reality, hasn't it? I mean, everyone's been locked down. Everyone's been, and and that's the way that a lot of people have been able to communicate with their friends. So I feel like Warzone's uh, had a, had a nice win out of uh, out of the COVID situation. Oh, hundred oh, yeah. percent, and it helps. It's free, so everyone can have access to it, cross play, all that good stuff. So. Yeah, 100%. well, the, the t- timing was impeccable for it, wasn't it? It literally they produced arguably one of the best battle royale games ever made at the start of lockdown. I mean, what the t- that's like godly timing. 
Maybe that maybe that's the conspiracy. Maybe they caused caused a lot. They're in the age on the Gates. Yeah, but um, these but are yeah. the thoughts of Ted Parry, not Checkpoint Reach <laughs> podcast. And uh, if any Activision lawyers have a lawsuit, uh, file it against Ted Parry. Thank you. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can stick my neck on the line and say that Bill Gates was not involved in the production of COVID nineteen or. I am modern warfare. <laughs> well, hey, again. I'm going out on, on a limb there, I know. But that, <laughs> that's I'm probably for a different podcast, COVID conspiracies. <laughs> um, but I, I just want to quickly talk about a game that I've been playing, guys, because uh, I know me and Matty are big Mass Effect fans, and obviously Legendary Edition finally came out, and I've been playing it, and I think it's pretty good so far. I haven't got stuck into it too much i think i've only played probably about four hours at the moment um obviously of the first one but so far loving it frame rates obviously all that good stuff resolution all improved and it really does feel like a leap forward compared to obviously going back to mass effect which you'd expect um but yeah it's great to jump back into that world and i'm getting a lot of enjoyment out of it uh did you end up buying it in the end my i know it's something we talked about on the last podcast no well unfortunately for me um I know, I know everyone was waiting to hear the news as to whether i bought mass effect but unfortunately for me my series x has decided to uh to die and not want to play any games whether it's a disc or a digital download so i'm gonna have to send it back for repair god knows how long it's going to take to get repaired considering that you know you can't get a hold of them so did uh, you say ser- series s no uh, x oh x right okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The that's straight. Is no more. Yeah. Goodbye. That's weird though. Like yeah. you've had that issue with the Series X. I, my PS5 was broke when I got it. I think it took me two yeah. weeks, all in all, to get it back. To be fair, but I got replacement. Though it didn't get repaired. I'm hoping the Series X will be, um, you know, at least week or two. Mm. Maybe. I mean, it's not as in demand as the PS5, but they are both in demand, so it's uh, very true. But who knows how it's going to take to get back. So I've just been playing uh, Hades on the Switch. Uh, I cannot wait until that game is out on the on the Xbox because I highly recommend it. It's uh, it's hard to explain really to someone who who hasn't really played many similar games on the, on the Switch. Highly, yeah, highly addictive. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Because I've uh, I honestly I played um, Zelda um, Breath of the Wild, one of the best games I've ever played. With like without a doubt, I was literally hooked. Like it was on the early Pokemon days, where every night after work I'd go home and I'd like be looking forward to playing it. Man, that's so what I you have want. been. Obviously, I'm looking forward to Breath of the Wild too. But like, I think I have heard of I have heard of of Hades actually on the Switch. So, I mean, it, if you recommend it, I might give it a try. To be fair, comes with a my my seal of approval. So it's probably yeah. worth trying out. To be fair. <laughs> But, but Ted, you do have to try Mass Effect Legendary Edition because you said to me that you'd never actually completed them. So this is the uh, perfect time to go I, back. I've completed Mass Effect 1 and 2, I think. I, I just don't think I complete Mass Effect 3. Well, that's probably a good thing, to be honest. <laughs> don't go back. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The glory of Mass Effect 2 and forget that Mass Effect 3 existed. No, you have to go through the pain we all went through. <laughs> all right i'll make you a promise once i have uh complete the skyrim remastered i'll i'll play uh i'll play mass effect legendary wow is skyrim taking you as long to complete as oblivion <laughs> <laughs> even longer 
<laughs> yeah, because I do all the side quests. But I've been a lot better this time. I've just been doing the main story. So only t- it's only taken you two years this time. So <laughs> Seven years. <laughs> what do you do? Pick to... it up and play for ten minutes every other week. <laughs> Probably ten minutes every six months. Or something. I don't know. Jeez, no, no. I, uh, to be fair, I I've obviously ha- I had to start again because I I played the remastered and I was doing the main story. And I'm not joking. I I literally passed where I previously was within like ten hours of gameplay because I was just doing the story. And I was like, wow. Like on my old save, I had like seventy hours because I was just doing all the side quests. So oh now God. I'm just like, right, I'm not bothering with the side quests. I'm just doing the main story now. How far do you think you threw it at the moment? I'm probably like halfway. Right. Halfway, I reckon. So, yeah. Yeah. Give it a couple months then. You might jump on the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to be able to talk to you about that game because it's one of my favorite franchises of games. Um, Even if I do agree with Matty, the ending was a bit shit, but it's what it is. <laughs> you, you might disagree. You might like it. So, we'll see. But um, let's jump in our, into our first topics of the day. Uh, and it's something that uh, I found on the uh, Metro website. And apparently, gamers are to blame for everything wrong in video games, according to this reader's feature. Uh, some of the takeaways that I uh, took from this was that publishers only making what the customer wants. So obviously, what the gamers want. Uh, EA and Ubisoft realize microtransactions make m- more, so much more money than obviously just bringing out the games in general. EA money is only 26% from the actual games, which probably doesn't surprise us, does it? When you think about it like that. Um yep. Pointless in-game tap that used to, that people used to get for free is now obviously had money put onto it. They do it because gamers encourage them to, according to this article. Uh, also, they buy broken games on day one instead instead of waiting to see if they're better and any and cheaper, and obviously any fixes that come out afterwards. If you buy something, they listen. If you don't buy something, they listen, according to this article as well. And all we're telling them is to carry on with the microtransactions and the broken games because we all buy it anyway. So what do you think? Do you think this this person I didn't catch the name well, of the person who put the article, but do you think they've got a point? I would I would say so. And one thing that literally popped into my head while you were saying that, and I hadn't thought about it for a while, but it's now popped back in, is um GTA. Because do you remember on the old GTAs how you'd have like the DLC content and you'd get an extra twenty hours of like story content that was unbelievable. And now, because GTA Online is such a cash cow with all like the shark loans and the the microtransactions, they're like, oh, we we don't care about the uh, you know the the community. We're just gonna continue to rinse people for the the free to play microtransactions. And like, there's so many cases of like gamers saying like Rockstar, please give us DLC for for GTA, and they're not listening. And it's down to the fact that. They, they've worked it out. They've, they've gone away and they said, okay, in terms of dev budget, this is going to cost us X millions to create this DLC content. Um, in terms of return on investment, we're going to get X millions, but it's 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 going to be profitable, but it's not, not going to be anywhere near as profitable as putting that dev time into making an extra stupid side mission or a casino mission on, on the online mm-hmm. yeah. because they've justified it. And I don't think it's like, it's not doing it for a lot of people. I think people do want to see the DLC, and it's just a shame that I feel like they're saying that it's gamers' fault or whatnot. But it's how is it when the gamers gamers do want that, but they're not listening? 
So, but I would throw out a we the minority there. I mean, apparently they were planning on bringing out a GTA Five downloadable content DLC, um, story-wise anyway, and single-player stuff. But obviously, like you touched on, online just makes them so much money, so lucrative that they just didn't bother and they scrapped those ideas. But we don't play GTA Online anymore. Yes, we've dipped into it. We've tried it. So, oh, we, you know, we're not really. I mean, there's a massive community on the, GTA the majority Online. Of people, the, the majority of people that they are making money from in FIFA for one and GTA Online with the shark cards and FIFA points is yep. little kids, little which it is difficult in a way because it's you know you're you're a lot more susceptible to addiction when you're when you're you know a, a developing brain. And and these games really tap into the the addictive sort of part of, of people's brains, and I don't think children are really prepared for that, you know, and and they're, they're exploiting that in a massive way, and and it should be banned, you know, legal authorities, government should be stepping in to do more about this because, at the end of the day, kids shouldn't be allowed to spend money on a, a roulette that spins, and and you know you get. A good player or a bad player, you know. For example, in FIFA, mm-hmm. GTA, I kind of get it a little bit more because at the end of the day, you know, you're still having to. It, 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 I mean, you, there's no random chance in GTA, really, is there? You know, you're buying cosmetics, you're buying things that exist in the game. Yeah. But it's still an element of you can play this game for a hundred hours, or you can pay us ten pound and then you know get the equivalent amount of money in in you know an instant. And it just it really takes away from the gaming experience. They're they're exploiting the fact that children can only afford to play maybe three or four games a year, and add in small microtransactions and advertising it in a way where they they can constantly get them to spend that ten twenty pound a week, and it's over and over and over again, and it's consistent. And I, I the, the problem is with this live service model is maybe three or four games you know you've got your gta you've got your call of duty you've got your fifas you know you've got fortnite but all the other games underneath that there is a chasm between the next lowest game so for everyone to sort of think there's only a certain amount of the pie and for everyone to try and get the pie i I don't think it's available Mm -hmm. you know all these games are already dominating this market and for you know, p- people to just say that this is ruined games because three or four games make a lot of money on microtransactions is just absolutely ridiculous. Because at the end of the day, the majority of the market isn't kids. There's also a market of, you know, 30, 40, 50-year-olds that still play games that enjoy single-player games. And that's been proven time and time again. I mean, how many times have we said on this podcast, you know, God of War, Horizon, all these Sony first-party games that are 10-, 12-hour story experiences... They don't have microtransactions, but they sell massively and they make Sony millions and millions. And every single time one of these games comes out, it's like, well, you're wrong about, you know, saying that every game has to be free to play or every game has to be filled with microtransactions. You are categorically wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just another article of someone that probably, you know, read, read a statistic about, you know, what what one game or two games making millions off microtransactions and just assumes that that's destroyed the industry and I don't think that's true at all. I think the industry is healthier now than it ever has been in terms of good quality games that are being released on a yearly basis. Mm. I think. Yeah. I think to be fair, when it comes to like microtransactions and stuff like that, 
we're obviously not massive fans of it, but I, they probably do have their place. There'll be enough people out there who will be like, well, you know, if I want to buy a cosmetic, then then I will, and it doesn't really bother me that I can just purchase it. But I, with you, I wouldn't just throw out there that, oh, every gamer and label gamers as a whole is to blame for, for that. And, and if you don't like microtransactions, which I think we all pretty much don't like microtransactions, doesn't mean, though, that the whole gaming community thinks the same way we do. I mean, as we know, game is very subjective, and anything that involves gaming is very subjective, and a lot of people probably don't mind it. I do feel, yeah. though, I'd like you touched on with the um, the kids, though, the kid aspect, I do feel sorry for, because they are being manipulated, and especially with, like, FIFA and fucking card packs, openings and stuff like that, and, and Ultimate Team, is it's a disgrace, really. Um, and I just, I just think, like, how many times as a parent been you know bombarded by their kid like oh you know my friends are buying this and let's buy v books whatever i mean you used to work at game didn't you mike yeah, i saw it firsthand i mean my the majority of my transactions were a 40 year old you know woman coming into the shop and buying 10 pound they didn't even call it xbox or playstation credit they were like can i have 10 pound v books it's like <laughs> that's how how you know ingrained it is into the into the uh the psyche of these kids it's like they don't even ask for xbox credit it's just like i want 10 pound worth of v bucks <laughs> well let's be honest they've probably stolen their dad's credit card dad or mum's credit card anyway haven't they so well that's why a lot know. of people came into store mate because um what happened is you know they, they got the credit card details once and then they were stored in the system and they'd end up spending like 500 600 quid on microtransactions in a month yeah um, so they used to, you know, just take the card off and come in store to buy the uh, the points physically. There's um there was a really interesting stat actually, and I, uh, I wish I could remember it, but I can't. Um, and it was to do with teenagers, I think, between the ages of thirteen to eighteen, and there was a massive number of them admitted they had a gambling addiction, and most of them put it down to the fact of like because it was it was in tandem obviously with like loot boxes and stuff to you know because obviously there's a there's a lawsuit in the uk isn't there about it um i know there was in in one of the european countries but to try and put a stop to it and obviously what what is it that they call them what is it that ea called them they have a uh, word um, for loot boxes they call it like f uh, chance of fun no not chance of fun but well no it's not that it's something else it's something like that there's a terminology so they basically tried to like tone it down the the terminology to make it sound more yeah. friendly yeah and it's like come Doesn't on man you're exploiting me. people and you've made fortune off cool. it and they need like stuff like that i think they need to clamp down on and i can understand them from the article's point of view there that that is a big issue and i think that is one but i wouldn't say I mean, I wouldn't say I'm to blame for that. The way the article says, like, just gamers as a whole. I mean, I'm not to blame for it. I mean, I played Ultimate Team growing up, but I never bought packs. So, I, you know, I, I didn't feed into that. I ecosystem. mean, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I mean, categorically. Yeah, you did. did. <laughs> yeah, you the thing is, as well, though, is that in terms of, like, microtransactions, though, it comes down to the fact that there's only going to be like a small segment of games and like that are actually going to be able to take advantage of that as well, because you need a big community, a big community of people to actually take advantage. It's a lot of, 
a lot of games aren't going to reach that that level of saturation. Like you're going to have the war zones, you're going to have the FIFAs, you're going to have the GTA GTAs that suck up a large proportion of the gamer base. So like and Fortnite as well. So obviously like another thing that um you know that people need to consider when they actually you know are criticizing the publishers like like you can only really use that model when you have enough of a of a consistent community to do so i mean it would be a stupid play for like you know a, a you know a, a game to uh, there's definitely games out there that are are making themselves free to play and have actually lost out on a lot of revenue because they would have been better off just charging on the front end charging 40 50 quid and then you know maybe having an element of microtransactions but not as much but i think there's definitely cases where there's games that they've been made free to play and they've drastically undersold themselves in terms of revenue yeah i 100% think that's the case as well so there's people looking at it from that that case of like all these these big conglomerates making loads of money but there's also some of the independent you know indie games that are trying to do that model and they would have been better off just making money on the front end so that that's my opinion as well like goes both ways no it does definitely does um and one of the things that uh where was it that i read out before um yeah where it says like if you buy something they listen if you don't buy something they listen i mean yeah but how many times have you know we we're, we're all sports fans football fans and you know it's like oh if you got a problem with the ownership just don't buy a ticket to the game. I mean, how easy is that to say? But how how can you actually put that into practice? Come on, man. It takes a lot for a, a mass group of people in the video game industry to be like, yeah, we're not buying that game. And is it, yeah. what, what was the last game that you remember that you thought, oh, yeah, people shouldn't buy that because that is a stain on the industry or oh, something like Anthem. that? <laughs> <laughs> I think... Anthem was terrible. Right. Yeah. I think for me, the, the only time that I think that it would, you know massively affect the game's experience as if like some like they made a game free to play but they charged on the back end for like you know guns that you know if you don't have you're going to be trash at the game or skins or armor or upgrades or codders the last time i played it it was like that yes and no like with warzone is one prime example where a lot of people um have basically moaned at that it's it's a case where you can buy the battle pass to obviously get extra things but warzone's a bit of a weird one because a lot of the the guns um you know are free you know free to unlock at some stage so you could argue yeah there is there's probably is an element with that in warzone because there's guns that are only in the battle pass but at the same time eldon from, from what i remember you don't need the battle pass to unlock the free guns it's only like special skins and and mm. things like that isn't it you'll still unlock like the free guns because it's free isn't it once you get to like level 25 or 32 i believe so but i'm also coming from it that i i haven't bought any of the battle passes for warzone i think i'm the only one in our group of friends that play that didn't really um, yeah i've never purchased anything on warzone so i've just literally played it for the the free entity that is but i can't really remember going to use a gun and being like ah that's stuck behind like a paywall yeah yeah, well, that, that I don't. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think um, COD's probably not the the best example there. I mean, there's elements of the certain things being stuck behind a paywall. I, I know there was a lot of um, 
you, there was a few YouTube videos that, that came out from big streamers to say that the gun stats on the actual bought guns were wrong and they were actually better. So people that actually bought like the fully skinned version were getting like more damage mm-hmm. to like, and it was just mad to actually see that because then that was a bit like, hmm, they've clearly done that on purpose. And there's also been the arguments of like, they have um, like made the new guns in the new season, like the battle pass season better. So like basically they put like, they, 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 what I've read on and what I've, uh, you know, read into is that they've actually buffed some of the guns um, that they want to sell more of the skins on. So they'll, so for the, the for far, for example, that was obviously a meta gun for a long time and they had like a reflective skin put on and it was literally the only gun that had a reflective skin and like everyone was using it. So yeah, they that, capitalized that on for the me was very sus. Yeah, mm. I mean, that was very sus. The fact they only used the, the coolest reflective skin on that gun. I was a bit like, mm, okay, that's a bit suspect. But in terms of like ruining the experience for like the gamers without Battle Pass, I'd say if you can still grind and get better, it's just like you can just buy a skin and have a gun that's level, you know, 32 with with a lot of the upgrades you already need. So you can kind of cheat in some ways and get I th- further ahead. But- I, th- I think that when it comes to microtransactions, cosmetics and stuff like that, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm not particularly a fan, but I'm not that bothered because I'm just like, well, I won't buy them. You know, fine. People will. That's their choice. It's their money or their parents' money. But pay to win and shit like that, obviously, that, that's yeah, a, completely there's a, wrong. There's, there's a, a difference. difference. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I do agree with them there. Like, that shouldn't be in games and Obviously, yeah, I do agree from a certain uh, standpoint then that gamers will enable that. If they are the ones buying pay to win, well, the devs are just going to keep putting it in because they're going to make more money. And obviously, they're playing off yeah. that um, competitive instinct of the gamer where it's like, oh, mate, I need to do everything I can to win or whatever. Oh, well, here you go. <laughs> like that, yeah, I completely yeah. Dis- disagree with or agree with the article on and, and disagree within the gaming industry. So, like Mike said, it's a very distinctive yeah. difference, but... Um, that is something I do agree with. One thing as well, to be fair, so not all the article I disagree with, but, um, well, I can't, yeah, so it depends. I'll see where you guys are coming from too on this. Buying broken games on day one that that don't work and obviously a buggy mess. Um, recent memory is obviously Cyberpunk coming out and being an absolute abomination for some people. Now, is that really the gamer's fault or is it just technology that publishers have at their disposal that has maybe made them more sloppy because they think oh well well we're on a deadline we're on you know we've got to get this game out if there's something wrong with it we've got the technology available to us now that we can make patches is that really the gamer's fault no it's definitely i think that comes down to the fact that in previous times like the ps2 ps3 and obviously you know xbox 360 um well actually i suppose that's maybe not maybe the ps2 is a prime example like when you had a disc it had to be like a hundred percent done, didn't it? Whereas later on, it became a case of like, well, you can just patch that, but it's going to be like, you know, 10 gig or whatever to patch it or to make it different. So they had a lot more pressure to get it right before launch. Whereas now, because of the capabilities, there's games that get completely repatched after launch. And yeah, the problem is. Yeah, it's a different game. It's literally a different game. Uh, they get reskinned, repatched. So, I mean, 
the fact of the matter is, is also a lot of these um, publishers have are under a lot of commercial pressure to launch in the key three month window, which is you know October, November, December, when yeah. you know that's the key retail period for, for every game. You know, I know some some publishers play a bit more strategically and decide to launch in like spring because they know there's less competition. Mm -hmm. But the majority of the big dogs are going to launch in that three month period, yeah. and they know they have to hit that. That's why FIFA's broken every year because they have to launch it, and they can get away with it, and they can get away with it because they're just like, oh, it's all right. We'll just patch and it. That, we'll just that's patch kind it. of what the article's saying. I mean, I guess, and and in the and in the large AAA space. I guess you've got a point. You know, people are going to buy COD every year. People are going to buy FIFA every year. People are going to buy, you know, these these games, even if they know that they're broken because they get enjoyment out of them at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily think that this has destroyed the industry or anything like that because if you look at it, the industry is healthier than it ever has been in terms of, of games that are coming out, like I touched on before. I mean, Ted makes a good point there, and it's one that we've touched on in the podcast before. It's it's one that I touched on with Game Pass. You know, the thing that worries me about Game Pass and streaming and the future of games, really, is the fact that developers don't have to make a finished game, and they haven't had to make a finished game for some time. You know, so you, you're going to get those bugs. And, and the most important thing to know is there's no obligation to ever fix them. They've already got your money in their in their pocket. You know, they can never make a patch for that. And, it's you know, there's no legal obligation for them to do anything. Once they've sold you the skeleton with no meat on it, it's, it's yours. <laughs> That's what you've bought. Enjoy. And, yeah, yeah. They, might add, they might add something else yeah. onto it in the future, but you don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah. So it it is an interesting point that the article's making, but until I start to see single-player games and indie games drop off and, and start to become poorer in quality and less frequent then it's something i'd worry about but arguably in terms of you know volume of releases and innovation and quality of games we're in a very healthy healthy place now in the industry there are a lot of good games coming out every year you know the game awards is always packed with brilliant games so it, it doesn't really worry me at the moment but you know in like three four years time maybe it will yeah. You know, the, the fact that Sony and Microsoft seem hell-bent on giving you a, a Game Pass-style service. I mean, Sony have, have clearly got quite worried about it. You know, they're trying to, like, double down on PlayStation now and, and compete on their end. That's absolutely fine. Like I've said before, Game Pass, like Netflix, is great because it gives you a certain amount of games every month that you can play and obviously the, the the guarantee that you can play every Microsoft first party game. And now that's great. But in three, four years time, I think the the amount of games on Game Pass is going to matter more than the quality. Because they've already got your ten pound a month, the only thing that a consumer is going to want from Game Pass is consistent new releases. Not necessarily quality of release. They don't really care about getting sixty dollars for the full price of the game, because that that's irrelevant to them. It's just getting the games out, and that's what kind of worries me about the future of, of Game Pass and PlayStation now. That I turns really into Netflix. See, yeah, I don't want to see mediocre six point five games coming out just because you know they have to get them out, mm -hmm. and and that happens on Netflix. You know the amount of shit that okay. is on Netflix. 
that you yeah. will never oh. watch again. Yeah. It's just it's just absolute crap. But it just exists to keep the numbers up. It's something to put on the homepage and go new yeah. content, new series or whatever. And I, I just don't want that to happen with gaming. I feel like gaming is an art and, and the people that make these games put a lot of their heart and soul into it. And to just be told you have to release this pile of shit because we want to get it out that's a, a dangerous situation that I don't want the industry to be in. I feel like they still need the time and they still need the, the trust to, to have that time to, to, to sort of, you know, make these games great. And hopefully that's the case anyway. <laughs> make these great games great again. <laughs> that's a slogan that we don't want to go near in five years' time. Make games great again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get caps. <laughs> yeah. well, I've, already, I've already built a wall behind me. <laughs> Yeah, I've made a good start there. <laughs> oh, God. I've no, got you, the uh, bookcase wall. You do. There you go. I need to get my wall going. But no, you uh, you make a good point. Obviously, Netflix, man, I waste so much time just looking half the time on Netflix. Well, like, no, 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 no. It's like, yeah, there's not much really on there that's that good, in my personal opinion. It's filled with a lot of filler, shite. And um, unfortunately, yeah, we don't want Game Pass to become like that, but... I think With these it, streaming services, that is a common trend, to be honest. In in a way, though, I think the way that it's it's a weird one because you kind of want to if if Game Pass got opened up, this and I get I get what you're saying on the quality, but it would be very. Do you remember the OG Xbox 360, Xbox Arcade, mm-hmm. where you had all these little indie developers that were on the Xbox Arcade, and you'd find like the odd little gem every now and then wouldn't you where you're like oh bloody hell this game's actually really good and it's made by a team of like four people Mm -hmm. um it would be interesting to see what route microsoft go down because they could easily have like a branch off of xbox game pass so they could have like xbox game pass this is blockbuster games this is like top tier stuff and then I don't know. It'd be interesting to like reintroduce something like you get Xbox Arcade with it, which is like indie development games, just so it doesn't get like mixed in with the main core titles that you're just sort of like scrolling through. Because then you could get you know a lot of variety. Um, but I totally get what you're saying. You, you'd you'd rather have quality over quantity on Game Pass, but I think there is definitely a balance there where if they got a few good indie developers and maybe had a branch off service, then people could, you know, pick off and find a few gems in there as well. Yeah. It could be interesting to see what they do with it. There's a lot of potential. Agreed. Yeah, there is a lot of potential and I'm sure it's something they'll probably look at in the future, but we will see. Um, That's probably enough on that topic. So if you are listening, yeah, comment below with your thoughts on what we've covered. Uh, Do you really think that gamers are to blame for everything that's wrong in the video game industry or... Do you think it's a bit of both or more on the uh, obviously publishing developer side of things? Let us know in the comments below. But we're going to move on to the uh, last topic of the podcast, and that is Ubisoft says it's changing strategy to focus on more high-end free-to-play games. Ubisoft is shifting away from its traditional strategy of releasing three to four premium AAA titles each year, but plans to launch high-end free-to-play games for all its biggest franchises. The company provided an update on its game development strategy during its full year's earnings call last Tuesday when it said it intends to release a reliant on... um, Sorry, it says it intends to be less reliant on AAA releases as part of its overall product mix. Now, Matty, this is one that you sent in to me um, because obviously me and you talk about topics we're going to discuss on this show. Um, What are are your thoughts on it then? 
I mean, we've covered a lot of it really in the last topic. It sort of crosses over in a way. It's, um, it's, it's. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's bizarre. I know why they want a piece of the free-to-play pie, but it's, um, it's quite worrying because obviously Ubisoft have been quite, um, you know, good at making single-player games. I guess. I mean, obviously they have multiplayer elements, but if you look at Assassin's Creed, you know, Far Cry. I mean, they're traditionally their two biggest hitters. Uh, obviously you've got like the Tom Clancy series which is more online based and, and may fit a free to play model more but to to shift away from, from single player seems like a bit of a, a bizarre thing to to be discussing really um, it, it's just a really strange situation in, in general, I mean I, there's a lot of free to play games that are, that are absolutely terrible uh, and, and I've got no doubt that they'll be putting a lot of re- resources behind it. But as Ted, you know, covered before, if you don't hit big numbers with your free-to-play game, if you don't catch the attention of the public, then you've basically just released a game for free that you could mm. have at least got four or five million sales selling as an actual single-player game, even if it was a flop. So it's, yep. uh, it's a very risky strategy, especially when the market's already saturated with a lot of free-to-play titles. They're going to have to come in with something very compelling to pull people away from what they're already playing. Uh, and I don't think with the IPs that they've got that they can really do that. I mean, no. can you see a, a Ghost Recon or Rainbow Six game? I mean, Rainbow Six Siege has been very successful for them, yeah. especially on PC. But I can't see it pulling away people from Call of Duty and, and, and these type of games, to be honest. No. And Ubisoft have n- notoriously bad reputation for their servers as well. So yeah. I mean, to keep people playing on 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 their servers is 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 a big ask as it is. But yeah, no, I th- I think you bang on there. I think if if you think about it, it logically, if if they did release a free to play game and it didn't hit the critical acclaim, the reviewers are on it. Like the community is on it. YouTube reviews are going out, blog posts are going out. It's all over social media. So so you've just literally launched a free to play game, got really bad press for it. No one's going to even play it for free. You're not going to get the consumer base to even buy the stuff on the back end. Whereas it, Matty said, if you launch a game, get three, four million sales, and then you get the backlash afterwards, it's like, well, we've still made like a uh, like you know nine figures in in revenue, or you know, keep the shareholders happy. Revenue. Yeah, exactly. And then you just patch it down the line. But yeah, it's a massive risk. I, I agree with Matty. I don't think Ubisoft is going to have the, enough games to get get the pull what they're probably banking on is something like a you know a rainbow six siege that that basically get, gets eight percent of their revenue so it'll probably be a case where they're hoping for one big hit mm. and they're just they're basically throwing mud at the, i wouldn't say throwing mud at the wall because they've got some great titles but that's the analogy i'll use because they're just hoping that one of these games that they relaunch on free to play becomes a new war zone it that's feels my like opinion. yeah it feels like they've seen the success of like Warzone and stuff, haven't they? And obviously the free-to-play model, but a big company like Activision jumping in, taking a massive chunk, and they're thinking, hmm, we can have some of that. Let, let's yeah. see what we can do. But yeah, they're going to have to create new IPs, aren't they? That With this free-to-play model. I, like, I can't think of many off the top of my head that would suit that. Assassin's Creed wouldn't. Watch Dogs, no. Watch Dogs is probably in the bin, no. I'm assuming, off the Legion. Um, <laughs> Rainbow Six Siege pr- probably is is the one where you think, yeah, that, that could work. I think it's still got a healthy player base, but obviously that's an older game now. They'd need to make another smash hit, Rainbow Six, to make that work, really. Um, 
but it's a risky play. I mean, hats off to them. They've they've basically changed the whole business model. Um, by the sounds of the article, I'm assuming that they're still going to release a yearly Assassin's Creed mm. and Far Cry. I just feel like they're, mm. they're pulling a lot of resources into other free-to-play games. And then, but, as we said, <clears throat> I don't think that any of their franchises suited to that other than Ghost Recon and Rainbow Six. And obviously this is- Ghost Recon is... is Really dead in terms of, in terms of that. What that was that series. one you made us play? Um, the full, was that Advanced oh. Warfare? Ah, oh, I can't Advanced remember. Warfare. It was terrible. Was... Oh, it was such a bad game. That's the last time I ever played a uh, Tom Clancy. But but in saying Tom. that, why could Ubisoft not have a hybrid model? Like, why could they not say, okay, well, you can buy Rainbow Six Siege. It's going to have a single, you know, it, it's going to have a single player element. But the multiplayer is free to play for everyone. So and then they've got like, uh, like well, COD in a way, wasn't it? COD, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? Well, I, I mean, that just um, de-risks the whole operation. Because if if you just want to play multiplayer, you go on the free to play and then accept that there's going to be microtransactions in there. But then if you want to play the story, then you got to pay for it because they've put dev time into it, and you know you can't monetize it on the back end. Really, a, a story. I think that's the safest option. I think going fully free to play is a big ballsy risk. move. Yeah, big risk, especially um, for player stuff. What are Ubisoft games like these days? I'm not even joking. I think the last Ubisoft game that I purchased and played was actually Watch Dogs Two. I actually not played. Strangely, a very good game. Watch Dogs yeah. Legion really very good though. Unfortunately, mate, I liked Watch Dogs Two. I thought it was really good. And then when I saw the trailer for Legion, I was like, I am not playing that. That just does not appeal to me. And by all accounts, it was uh, not great. felt flat. So, yeah, like, I don't play any Assassin's Creed titles anymore. I dropped out after three. Um, the the uh, American Revolution one. Can't remember which one. I think it was three. Yeah, it was terrible. I've, I've, never, I've never, ever played a, a more boring game than Valhalla. Maybe I'll get some some hate oh, really? in the comments. I tried to play that because it was um, a Series X enhanced game. You know when it came out, I was like, "Oh, I'll give Assassin's Creed another try." Graphics were good, you know, production values were good, but it it was just the the absolute just complete. I, I, every time, every time on this podcast, we talk about games that are hundreds of hours, but with nothing to do. That is literally the summary of, of, of those discussions. That's literally all you do. You just run Black around. Black flags like that as well. Hey, Assassin's you, Creed, Black flags. Go all. on a ship and just... Yeah. Mm. Even the fact that I was running around in Britain doing fuck all couldn't really, really save it. I mean, I can do that by just going outside. <laughs> just go for a run. <laughs> <laughs> run around Liverpool. I don't need to play Assassin's Creed to do it. It's just... Uh, I'm sure that there'll, there'll be people... That like that style of game that get a lot out of that game and enjoy it and, and really enjoy all you know 80 to 100 hours or whatever ridiculous amount of time it is to complete it but not for me honestly i just i don't understand how, how people enjoy those, those types of games well it's a I shame we you, don't you're have gonna the... get hate from my brother actually i was about to say that it's a shame we don't have the other <laughs> people at this moment because he uh yeah he liked it didn't he ted to be fair yeah, he's, he's been playing that quite a bit, uh, to be yeah. honest. But the problem with Assassin's Creed is that this is the irony of like Ubisoft going down the feed to play because they have made, they have been one of the publishers that have made the most money from literally reskinning games. 
that that's the irony of like you've you've literally exploited the reskin model and now you're trying to like go into the free to play it's like do what you're good at which is just make a game that's more or less the same except put it in a new re- location and skin it and added a few new weapons in maybe that's they think what... maybe they're thinking that's getting tired maybe they're looking at you know projected well, revenues and they're thinking yeah. yeah we need to do something here this is this is going to collapse at some point i mean valhalla what is that is that four or, f- or the fifth sixth is it the sixth installment because black flag i think there's another one more than that. really oh mate yeah there's loads there's loads one, like, there's, there's one two three brotherhood revelations origins assassin's creed syndicate actually that came before it um well it's the 12th major installment <laughs> Twelve. Oh. And the twenty-second release in the Assassin's Creed series. You ruined Matty's uh, little competition. (laughs) I took it right off the top of my head as well. You ruined it with Google. (laughs) (laughs) But I was in shock. I was like, "No, but you were getting there." So, uh, I can't believe it's been twelve. I mean, like, how long can that keep going? And it's yearly. You were six, six off. Yeah, Yeah. that's like um, you. You know, they've got to do something different, surely. Or, or at least have time in between these Assassin's Creed games. But then again, if it's making consistent it right. money, I haven't really checked. Um, but if could it's making worse, consistent could, money, yeah, they, 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 they always bring in change it and make it worse in terms of sales. Yeah, well, they're not probably, yeah, they're probably not going to be changing that anytime soon. But yeah, I just think maybe their current titles are they're starting to fade a little bit and they're thinking right well we need something different obviously right now free to play models very big it works if you get it right and like you touched on ted to be fair they might just tack it on to one of their existing ips and just be like yeah well you know call of duty did it so well so why can't we with our our shoe um rainbow six yeah i mean i just i just really hope that these game developers like they they add more like innovative games. I know it's a risk because it's like, okay, we could introduce new IP that doesn't work, but there's got to be a point. I mean, where you just say, okay, Assassin's Creed, yeah, it makes money, but it's a lot of the player base is getting tired of, of that model now. Like what, t- what time periods are even left at this point for it to go to? <laughs> it's true. It's dinosaur, the stone age. Like, really with stones. <laughs> and you still have to climb up on a tree to unlock half the map. Yeah, <laughs> uh, my oh, god. god! I to be fair, yeah. What is left other than maybe making futuristic maybe plays? Yeah, maybe that. I've just had a brainwave. Maybe that's how they can reinvent the uh, the World War Two game. Is have Assassin's Creed in World War Two? Hey, I wouldn't even be surprised. But, but Battle Royale, Stonehenge. <laughs> Stonehenge. <laughs> you have to catch us, like capture the flag. <laughs> oh my god but no you make a good point that's something that we've probably talked about a lot in the podcast um new ips man fresh ideas i want more more i mean i personally want more story driven games and stuff like that yeah. so but there's yeah a, new ips a, man there's there are new ips that's just the only innovation that really goes on in the moment is in the small indie space you know because they've got, you know, making a new IP is the way that they get noticed. Making a, a fresh idea is the way that they get people to download the game. There's too much risk involved with the money that it takes to make a AAA game, you know. And it's it's same with it's the sort of a similar situation with films. You're not really going to see 
a massively innovative film unless it's from an already established developer. Mm-hmm. So can afford to lose the money like, sort of thing. Yeah, I feel like the way that we're going to move into innovation in the AAA space is by making game developers more well-known and more public figures because we've got like Kojima and Kojima makes anything and people, it, there's hype. There's hype around that game no matter what it is. It doesn't even matter. Like Death yeah. Stranding, you literally walked around with a backpack. For I did not hours. like that game. That was it's too just, boring. Yeah, it wasn't great. It, it, it honestly wasn't great. I mean, I'm sure there are people who enjoy it. Sud liked it. It, it. it wasn't the best of games. But people bought that because it was a new concept from Kojima. They didn't buy it because of the concept itself. If that game was not developed by Kojima, no one would have gone near that game. It was literally a walking simulator. It didn't make any sense. To be fair, you've got but, a good point. He is now like like a Scorsese or a Spielberg, isn't he, essentially? Yeah. Whenever they bring out a film, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. Or, or the hype's there because of the name attached to the project. So, yeah, so, that's a good yeah. point. They're licensed to do some innovation with their films because people will still go and watch it, you know, regardless. Mm-hmm. Look at The Irishman. Like, yeah. Th- I mean, I know it's on Netflix. 100, it's hours, like- 100 hours long. It's longer <laughs> yeah. than Assassin's Creed Valhalla. <laughs> exactly. It's still got rave reviews. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, you're right. They do have more license. And so it's either going to be people like that that they can get behind because the hype will be there. So they can take the risk, or it's going to have to be publishers that. Are ballsy enough to take a risk and being like, look, if it if it makes a loss or we don't hit the projected numbers, then we're going to be just fine. But let's can try I it. Just, uh, can I just interject actually, because there's something that we haven't covered on the podcast, but it's quite heavily rumored. Uh, obviously, we're we're quite heavily Xbox focused on the podcast. We all have an Xbox. Um, I I have heard a lot of rumors that Kojima's going over to uh, Microsoft. Really? Yeah. Yeah, quite a few actually. My They're from sources. Like, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll have to get my source out. You know, HP and Heinz. <laughs> have to get out here with reliable. But, you know, you know, Phil Spencer uh, over the over the years, he's been doing this thing. You know, where he has little things in the background mm-hmm. that that hint to you know something that's being released. So in the past, he's had the Xbox wireless headphones just literally sitting behind him, and and you know things like that. That he's had the Series X sitting behind him, and he's had Bethesda. Um, a Bethesda-related um, trinket behind him just before the Bethesda announcement. And uh, quite recently, he had the Kojima uh, Productions logo hiding in the background. So Did he actually? Also the rumour as well, yeah. Yeah, so be interested. That would be very interesting because he is heavily just like, he's combined almost with PlayStation. It's like yeah, when part you think of his identity is PlayStation. Yeah, you think Kojima, you just think the 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 games that are coming out on console is going to be PlayStation. That would be mate, that would be massive, a massive get for Microsoft if they could pull that off. Yeah. Would, do you think that would be? Oh, I mean, it could be anything with Kojima. Do you think that would be like a Death Stranding two or just kind of like? I think it'd a be a new IP. IP. Yeah, yeah. Because they're not going to get Metal Gear. That would be the ultimate, like that'd be the ultimate heel turn if Microsoft got Metal Gear on Game Pass and new <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. Well, Hideo Kojima's like Triple H. There's always a Plan B. <laughs> Just mm. that meme of uh, Seth Rollins hitting Reigns with a chair. <laughs> Microsoft to uh, Konami. To be fair, though, mm. I think I feel like Kojima's done with Metal Gear. It may, maybe it might be uh, not for good, never say for good, but at this moment in time, feels like he's done. He wants to be more creative, fresh ideas, stuff like that. Um, maybe in the future he might, you know, want to go back once uh, he's had his break. But 
that would be interesting. Uh, Microsoft making big plays, and if they do bring in someone like Hideo Kojima, man, or Hideo Kojima, sorry, it'd be, that'd be, I'd be poor for that. It's such such a, a big lot. It's like a knife in the back to Sony, if anything. Mate, bring him in and put it on day one on Xbox Game Pass's game. <laughs> Just like imagine him like holding up like a, a Microsoft scarf like that, like day one <laughs> transfer, like. <laughs> Him and Phil Spencer shaking hands. What what would you think? Would you be happy with that, Ted, then, if that rumour was true? Yeah, because obviously someone like that would just bring massive innovation to Microsoft, which, you know, Xbox has arguably fallen behind Sony in that department for a few years now. There's no doubt that, you know, Microsoft and Xbox has, has got too reliant on their, you know, their big titles. Whereas Sony has consistently brought out, you know, new innovative single player games. You know, and he's, he's been well. at the, yeah, and he's been at the forefront of a few of those. And I, I've always said that. I've always said that. You know, if you want to, if you want to play primarily for like single player games, then you're gonna get. A PlayStation, but if you know if your friends are on Xbox and you know you, you like the the access of Game Pass and things like that, then you know. Yeah. That's, By the uh, way, can I just quickly say you just <laughs> reminded me of something out of Star Wars because you um you said oh what did you say I have, I've always said that I've always said that and you said it like exactly the same. Do you remember my Boba Fett? Boba Fett where? <laughs> Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminded uh, me completely. It is iconic. You have to get. You have to edit the clip in now. <laughs> that after. Oh. Um, no, I agree. It'd be interesting to see, and I think obviously it could be a big move for Microsoft. So I'm hoping they pull off because, well, to be fair, I'm not really bothered which side he ends up bringing games out on because I do have both consoles, but it'd be cool. Microsoft because might get it on Game Pass, so that's something I'm up for. But uh, it's probably a good place to end the podcast. So we thank you for listening. If you're listening to us on YouTube, please like, subscribe, comment, uh, comment with uh, your thoughts on the topics we covered today. Um, does that help the channel to grow? If you are listening to us on any other platforms as well, leave us a nice review and pass on the pod and unsubscribe and all that good stuff. You can also follow the podcast on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Chat Reach Pod, and all the links will be in the description below. But thanks, Ted, for coming on, man. And uh, where can people find you on social media? No worries, man. Uh, so I'm Ted Parry one on, on Twitter. That's probably the best place to get me. Perfect. And Hogwarts. <laughs> if you're lucky enough to go there. If you need a spell, Ted, you guy. Um, and you can also follow me and Matty on social media. Where can people find you, mate? At Matty GM on Instagram, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> perfect yeah the links will be in the description anyway but yeah i'm on twitter and instagram at leld l-e-l-3-d's add a nine the m for instagram but anyway thanks once again ted for joining us mate really appreciate that and thanks to everyone no who's worries, listening man. wherever you are in the world what well, the time you're listening to this we hope you have a good day and uh, we'll be, at, be back next week for, with another podcast bye guys catch you later adios